Good morning, everybody. In case you were still wondering, I am still married. Sorry, ladies. Um, <laughs> I know. I know you were all getting your hopes up. Um, just kidding. No. Um, yeah. Zoe's sick, so. You know, when you have, you know, three kids in the school, it's like living in a petri dish full of disease. So they just, you know, seem to pass from one kid to another. So, yep. I know Cynthia would appreciate your prayers because she's starting to forget how to get here. And uh, I offered to stay home with her Wednesday, but she wasn't, or instead of her, and she wasn't feeling well, so I ended up coming. And she didn't want to do Sunday school this morning, so I went ahead and came in. But uh, anyway, yeah. well, Jesus, we thank you for this day and for meeting with us in this place, for all your blessings to us. And God, what we pray today is that you would uh, touch your word, and God, plant it deep inside of us and, and cause it to grow up and do what only it can in your precious name. God, touch everybody that's, uh, that's dealing with uh, sicknesses and things. God, there's lots of stuff going around and we're already at that time of year again. And we just pray for your uh, your touch on your people, God, that you would watch over us, God, and that uh, touch everybody that's sick, and keep everybody that's well. God, we just pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. So go with me to Colossians 3. So a special shout out to everybody that helped me yesterday. That was a tremendous blessing. I had this righteous, awesome bookshelf that we got at a, an antique store that was closing. Uh, it was like a knick-knacky shelf thing, but it was super cool and weighed about a thousand pounds. And uh, uh, Rhonda painted it up for me really nice. And uh, uh, Mike and Chris came over and. Uh, Hulked it up my steps and got it in my office for me. So Mike's not here, but uh, nonetheless, he he told me that uh, they 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 both told me they better get props this morning. So <laughs> yep, got the got the big man, big guy and the Frenchie in there. Carried that thing up there. So it was, it was this awesome display of manliness. It was fantastic. And and now my office doesn't look so lopsided. So and of course Rhonda did a great job on it. It looks awesome. So I don't miss painting things as much as I thought I would, you know. It's like watching her work, I was just like, ah Get it done. I don't know that I want to work in the office anymore, but I really don't want to paint anything either. So I don't know what that leaves me. But uh we'll see. Um i trying to think if there's something else I was supposed to tell you. Oh, something amusing that I came across yesterday. I thought you would all enjoy. This is totally unrelated to everything, but uh, I read this thing. You know, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, right? So I thought they, this, somebody took these two scriptures and stuck them together about Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. And Peter swore and went out and wept bitterly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, thank you. Thought that was quite clever. <clears throat> now mother-in-laws are great. If there were if there were no mother-in-laws, there would be no wives, would there? So or husbands, for that matter. 
<clears throat> I guess everybody's got a mom somewhere. So, Colossians 3. Uh, I, I spent some time in this this week, and every time I came back to this, I kept finding more stuff in it that was just really grand. <clears throat> in verse 1, he says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. And, and that goes right along with what we talked about Wednesday night, about obeying the law of sin and death and, and the, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Because uh, if you were risen with Christ, then you would have had to have died with Him. And uh, But it's a great thing to have that, that exhortation, and I think that's something that, uh, that we all need uh, quite frequently. That... Uh, because you know we would all say that indeed we have you know been crucified with Christ and we've risen with him and uh but he says if that be the case then seek those things which are above and in verse 2 he says set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth because it's so much easier to get all caught up in the here and now and the thing to do right in front of you uh you know, it's uh, it's funny because I've talked to people that would have these turmoil issues about condemnation and, you know, God doesn't like me and all this stuff, and, and I've certainly been there. Uh, but it was funny because, you know, I would encourage them about it. It's like, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, God goes on your side and standing on the Word and everything. And, uh, and then I would get in these turmoils about things that were in the here and now, something I have to deal with right now. And people try to encourage me. It's like, I know, but I, you don't understand. In like 10 minutes, I have to go deal with this thing. And it's not like some, you know, ethereal, can't quite get a hold of it feeling. This is something I have to go do that I don't want to. <laughs> so uh, it's a little different. But, but setting your affection or your mind, as the margin says, on things above and not on things of the earth. It's it's so easy to see see the thing in front of you as being the most urgent, and and yet the the things in the spirit are far more urgent and more uh, more lasting. Uh, you know, it's uh, I had days when I uh, I thought, you know, this in a hundred years this house isn't going to be there anymore. It's like, why am I here? <laughs> Mainly because I just didn't want to be, but. Uh, you know, we we have this notepad that I thought was really great for you know taking little notes and things uh, by the phone or whatever. Um, back when everybody didn't have their phone in their pocket, uh, but it said uh, in a hundred years this won't matter, and then in smaller letters underneath it it said fact it barely matters right now. <laughs> so like that, that's my kind of notes. But he says set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. So so dead then, reckoning yourself dead. It's an interesting thing to reckon yourself dead because, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you've got a nice healthy complexion and nice rosy cheeks and breathing and 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 everything like that. And uh, it doesn't, you know, it's like I don't seem like I'm dead, you know. But but to to reckon yourself dead because that's what the Word of God says. But he says your life is hid with Christ and God. And, and the thing about this word life uh, is uh, in the Greek there are two different words for life. 
there's bios, which is physical life, and then there's zoe, which is uh, spiritual life. And and this word is zoe. So it's like your, you know, your your flesh will indeed die, uh, um, in in uh, in actuality, as well as as you reckoning it that way, at some point or another. But your life is, is hid with Christ. So your your spirit, of course, and we all understand that your spirit is the thing that lasts forever, that that doesn't die. And uh, and so. Uh, getting your affection set on things above because because your spirit is is going to live forever seems like a really good idea. You know, laying up your treasures in heaven. When Christ, who is our life, <coughs> shall appear, then you shall also appear with Him in glory. And I'd like to study that some more because I found that really interesting when I started digging around in it, but I didn't know what else to really say about it because this word appear there's there's different words for appearing uh in the new testament and uh or manifest or revelation there's kind of this all all these words are all translated different ways kind of like the whole death hell and the grave thing and uh and this word is to render apparent to to manifest so uh you know, and of course, John said that when we see him, we should be like him, so we shall see him as he is. And so he says here that when Christ, who is our life, shall be rendered apparent, then then shall you also be rendered apparent with him in glory. So there's more to that that I can't really explain, but uh, take that home and turn it over, see what you can find with it. Uh, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, Covetousness, which is idolatry, for which sake, which things sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's funny because all these words are kind of the same thing in one way or another. Uh, you know, this word concupiscence I, I looked up is um, the, the English word, which is obviously a word that has kind of fallen out of of use over the centuries, uh, means uh, like, uh, an, an evil sexual desire, like something just way out there. But the, the Greek word that they used here uh, means uh, a, a strong craving or desire for something that's forbidden. So, see where that would kind of be the same thing. But this is also the word that it uses uh, in Romans chapter 1. Talking about uh, people, uh, the men with men working out, which is unseemly and everything. It's the same word, burned in their lust with one another. And uh, in several other places where it's, it has this sense of these, these forbidden things. <coughs> so, uh, uh, and this word covetousness is interesting uh, because in the Darby, I really liked what they said. They, they uh, instead of covetousness, because that sounds so. Like what? What does that mean exactly? Covetousness. You know, I mean, obviously, I think covet to covet something we all understand is like you, you really want it. Um, but uh, I really like what Darby said. He said uh, he translated this word as unbridled desire. So wanting something and not 
holding yourself in check at all. Uh, and uh, and that's what the flesh is all about. So these these things here in verse five, they're all uh, they're all talking about uh, a lust of one type or another, and some kind of desire that there's simply no no holding it back, and uh, or that 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 you're not that you aren't holding it back. But then it takes all of these things together. I don't think just the unbridled desire, not just the covetousness, but I think of all of these things in verse 5 as being summed up here at the end where he says, which is idolatry? Because uh, <clears throat> I didn't write it down, but the, the uh, in the lexicon it had some really interesting things to say about that word. Let's find it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Idolatry, uh, image worship, uh, uh, from the noun for idol and for service. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's pretty self-explanatory then. But it has, but it's talking about what is it talking about setting up as the idol though? Because it would be yourself, it would be the flesh. And so he says, mortify therefore your members which are on the earth. All of this stuff, the the fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So all these things of putting your own desires ahead of everything else. And, and that's totally what the flesh does best. And, uh, you know, it's, and it's interesting because it's kind of a default setting in humanity to be that way. And <laughs> so you have to go into the control panel. And change your default settings. You know, you know, download the King James app and, and put that in there instead. You know, this is my default browser. So uh, you know, my, my kids have these tablets that have the worst operating system ever. And I wish I could just get in there and rip its guts out and put a better operating system in it. But and that's and that's what we that's what we do by uh, letting his mind be in us and, and let letting his mind dictate how we think and how we how we deal with things. Because all of these things here in verse five is not that. It's all uh, letting your your own mind, your own thoughts, your own flesh, your own desires dictate what you do, what you say, how you think, how you treat people, all of those things. And the the loneliest people are the selfish ones. You know, I grew up very selfish because I grew up by myself. And so it was kind of a fairly natural outcome, I think. I, I had no one to share anything with. And uh, so I had my own room. I had a TV in my room. I had every kind of entertainment thing you could want in your room when I was in elementary school. And uh, I didn't, I mean, I didn't eat with my family. I ate what I wanted to eat when I wanted to eat it in my room in front of my TV. You know, I mean, I just, I did what I wanted to do and that was all there was to it. And so then I became an adult and I had to, <laughs> right? Yep. And then I had to learn to share with other people. And, uh, and, and so God brought me somebody that was, that, generous to a fault, who taught me how to share, who taught me how to put other people's desires first. 
and I was really, really glad. And so I, I began learning those things, and then I got married, and then I really had to learn them. Because <laughs> if you're going to live with somebody, they are going to rub you the wrong way, and they're going to get on your nerves occasionally, <laughs> all the time. And <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, no, it's you know, it's really funny because you always hear that whole like, oh, it's so hard to have someone live with you or to live with somebody. It's the most challenging thing. It'll it'll really rub your flesh raw. I lived with Bobby and Lori, and I had a great time. You know, you know, you know Mike lived with me when uh, at my parents' house before I got married. We had a grand time, and. And then uh, when Kevin and Donna got married, he came to live with me and Cynthia. We had a grand time. And, you know, Amber came and stayed with us for a while. We had a grand time. I mean, I, I living with people was a lot of fun. I stayed at Bobby and Heidi's for six weeks. Like, my whole family just dropped everybody in their house. And, man, we just had a time when I was there, which was almost never. But maybe that's why it went so smooth. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, that sense of... You know, having other people around is really a blessing, and 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 thinking about them, you know, because uh, you know nobody gets to the end of their life and thinks, "Wow, I wish I would have had more stuff. I wish I could have done more things that for me." You know, everybody's thinking about the people in their life and wishing that they would have had more time with them, wishing they would have done more things with them, wishing they would have told them this, wishing they would have told them that, and so. Uh, you know, putting yourself at the center of your universe is really uh, a destructive thing. You know, because God says give and it should be given to you. And so when you give of yourself, then uh, your life becomes way more full. Because, you know, if, if you know if your wallet is always empty, if your bank account is always uh, in single digits, then... <laughs> Then either God is taking you through something to teach you to trust Him, or maybe you're, He's trying to talk to you about um, about being generous, about giving, about dealing with other people, giving till until it hurts to give. Nobody likes to hurt. Nobody likes to give till it hurts. But uh, I can tell you from my own experiences that you can't outgive Him. You know, I've uh, I've I've you know given when I really maybe didn't want to or when it was uncomfortable or seemed unwise. But but God has always come through and paid me back in spades, and that's what he does. So it's a really precious thing how God does that. So putting yourself then at the at the center of your life is what he's talking about here in, in these first few verses. And uh, But he says to put all those things to death, because he just started out saying that you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So uh, it, it's like uh, it's like having an embalmed corpse as your like your coffee table, right? It's like you've got this glass coffin with you in there, and and that's like your conversation piece in your living room. You know, it sounds ridiculous, but that's kind of what he's saying here. Why would you do that when you're dead and your life is hid with Him? Your your life is not about the here and now and, and your flesh. Your your life is about about those things that you can't see with your physical eyes. And and laying up treasure. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were feeling like they hadn't given anything to the Lord over the years. 
And I started just listing off all these people. I was like, well, what about this person? What about this person? How did they get here? How did this person get here? How did this person get to the church? And they just they had nothing they could really say because, like, well, because I talked to them about Jesus. <laughs> like, okay, well, there you go. So, you know, uh, and, and that's a great example of, of you know, putting, putting someone else's needs first because that's an uncomfortable thing, talking to somebody about the Lord if they don't maybe want to talk about it or uh or maybe they do but you know that you're going to be in for some kind of battle in the in the process you know we all love that um but that's a precious thing and and that's how we all got here was because somebody did that and so it's a precious thing so uh so for the for the which things sake the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience, in the which you walked some time when you lived in them, but now you also put off all these: anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication out of your mouth. And these are all really great too. I had you know I had a really great time digging around in, in all these words and and uh, there's a. a there's so much depth that you can find when you like. Well, what what is this word that they use? Because you know, when you learn another language, you learn what the word means, and sometimes you'll learn how they how it's used, and you think, wow, we don't use the equivalent word that way in English at all. Uh, like, for example, in Spanish, they refer to the weather as uh, tiempo, but that's also the word for time. So if it's nice out, they say hace buen tiempo, and it's like. Okay, it's a good time out today, you know, or is it a nice day out? You, you know, you got to kind of know the lingo, and so, uh, you know, if you don't, uh, you know, and so I think it's really great being able to dig around in what these words mean. Uh, you know, as I've said, words are important to me. So, yeah, listen to this guy. Words are important to him. He says, I say with bitter. Mocking. No. Um, but no, but you know, anger, uh, this, this word anger is like violent, uh, like explosive, violent expression of anger. And then this word wrath is like an anger that you have inside that, uh, that, um, that is probably at some point going to lead to the, the violent explosive anger. You know, and, I mean, and this this is the word that that it uses for the wrath of God about this, that, and the other thing. It, I mean, it's actually it's a different word than it uses in verse six. I just noticed that, but um, but this is a word that's frequently used for the wrath of of God. And so so there's this sense of being angry about something. And and you've got you've got this this anger boiling inside, uh, and and then right before that he talks about of course this anger that's violent, and then malice. You know, uh, I knew somebody who they 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 just you know the, the Bible says that the righteous man regards the life of his beast, and and they were like you know they're talking around they're like you know I just the best word I could think of. To describe my feelings toward this animal is malice. <laughs> and and uh, he laughed. He's like, yes, yes, I, 
feel the same way about my children's dog, you know, and, you know, and which made me feel like I was in good company because my, my, my love of animals is somewhat legendary and uh, I, I could think of no better word than to describe the way I feel about uh, Pickles, the kid's cat, than Alice, you know. You know, I'm, you know, you know, it's like I would pay him some attention, just like Cynthia said too, and then he still won't leave me alone. She's like, if you'll just show him some attention, pet him a little bit, he'll leave you alone. I was like, no, he won't. <laughs> he will rub himself all over my legs, and he will run, he will dart in between my legs while I'm trying to cook and get my coffee and get this from the fridge. I mean, it's it's like. Several, it's like a, a good eight, ten feet from my stove to the refrigerator. So if you need something, you're going to have to walk this space. All the while, this cat is like weaving in and out of my legs, going, Wah! and it's just like Alice. I, I actually, I, I heard him fighting with some bigger cat on the back deck this morning when I first got up, and I just kind of left him to deal with it. But, but then later. After I'd finished my first cup of coffee and I went to refill it, he, he's just sitting there by the back door. And so I let him in. So no wonder he would be like, oh, thank you. Thank you. So, but I, I showed him some attention thinking, okay, now surely he will leave me alone. But no. But no, malice. You know, malice is an interesting thing because, you know, wrath, you've got this anger inside about something. And this, this malice puts intention to it. You know, and and that's I mean that's exactly what the English word means. Malice is the intent to do something bad to somebody else or that you just have or that you would love to see something bad happen to them. So malice. It's just a fun word to say, but so anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, of course. I mean, the word here is exactly what we use it for, talking hateful, big, swelling things against God. Filthy communication out of your mouth. It's interesting that he throws that in there because how easy is it for that to just sort of creep its way into your everyday life? Um, you know, it uh, took me a long time to grow up to the point where it's like, is this really profitable talk or is this, would this be foolish jesting? Hmm. took me a while to get there, but I got there eventually, much to the relief of every woman in my life. And it's like, oh, he grew up. Look at that. So it happens to all of us eventually. I hope. But, you know, so I, I, I eventually kind of came to myself one day and realized that, that when Cynthia married me, she had hoped she was marrying a grown man, not a little boy. And so, uh, I, you know, once, it was amazing how, you know, just cleaning up your talk made a big, makes a big difference. Uh, but it, so I find it interesting that he puts that there. But, uh, you know, but these are, I mean, these are serious issues. Anger, wrath, and malice, blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. I think it's, Interesting that he he talks about all this stuff, whether it's inside or out. And then he says, lie not to one another. 
because it's really easy to feel to have wrath and malice towards somebody, but not so much the anger thing, not so much the violent, explosive type thing, because uh, we all know better than that. Uh, but uh, but lying to one another is just as violent, because uh, <laughs> well. Uh, here, when you get down a little further on in verse 11, I'll come back here in just a minute, but it says that Christ is all and in all. So so if Christ is in everybody in the body that you're dealing with, then, you know, to, you know, and, you know, just lie to one another. It's like having malice towards somebody or, or being angry with them, like wrath about something. But, uh, uh, being either unwilling to talk about it or uh, uh, or unwilling to admit it when you get called on it, you know, because that's that's a hard thing when somebody comes to you and is like, hey, um, so the other day when I said this, you had this look on your face like you kind of wanted to kill me. Was that about that or was that something else? Like, you mad, bro? You know, and um, it, it's awkward to go and start that conversation with somebody. And... Uh, in his wisdom, uh, God put Mike and Bobby and I together for like four years where we were just just the three of us all day, all the time. And, you know, maybe not so much living together, but working together, there was plenty of <laughs> wrath and malice. Maybe a little bit of anger from time to time. You know, but we learned to talk about it. We learned to get it out in the open and, and deal with it and not let it be something that was destructive. And... Uh, and it's a valuable skill to have, uh, but it's not an easy thing to do. But, you know, to lie to one another, you know, uh, because it's it's easy, you know, if, if you're angry about something, it's easy to have somebody come to you and want to talk about it and just pretend it's not there and just, just kind of deflect their questions and, and not deal with it. But that would be would be lying to them then because you would have to tell them, well, I'm, I'm not. Um but uh you know but dealing honestly with those things uh you know and and there's this this sense of protecting self without without lying about it because it it would be more comfortable for precious to just not talk about it but uh um, but then that would be putting self in control again rather than uh doing the things that the word of god would say to do so it says lie not to one another seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and it put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Again, a bunch of really great words in here. This new man is new with respect to age uh, or, I um, can't think of the word, like counting. But uh, So this is you know that new man, that second man that, that you get inside when you get born again. That you put off the old man and all of his stuff because that would be the... The stuff from verse 5, that would be the stuff from verse 8. All these icky things that that that, uh, that, that we cover up with our smiles. But uh, he says, uh, putting on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. And, and so this renewed is a different kind of new. This isn't making something new necessarily as it is uh, like, uh, like getting a new something. 
you know, like your shoes wear out, you get some new shoes. That's this first word. This, this re- renewed is qualitatively new. Like new as in, this is new, better new. And, and uh, with a sense of uh, refreshing would be another way to say this. And uh, so he says you put on that new man and it's refreshed or renewed in knowledge. This recognition or acknowledgement of him. And so it renews your mind when when you acknowledge him in all your ways, and uh, and the, these things of uh, where things get sticky dealing with each other, putting him first, and and acknowledging him and what his word says to do, and to deal with one another because he said that if you do it to the least of these, you you've done it to me. So he says that you put on that new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that's created with him. And this is the same image that it uses in chapter 1 of Colossians, where it talks about Jesus being the image of the invisible God. And it's where we get the English word icon. And so it's an image of something, like a reproduction of something, uh, but not not simply a reproduction um but a, a reproduction that actually has in it the nature of of the thing that it resembles. If that makes sense. So, like, like the best example I could think of is when you have a kid and they look just like you. you know, I was showing somebody the other day the wallpaper on my phone is like a time machine because I have a picture of Jeremy wearing my aviator standing in front of my paint van. And it's like, wow, this is, you know, it's like it, it's me, right? Because he looks just like me, poor kid. But <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But uh, so, so it's like it's like that sense of an icon. It's like he's a reproduction of me, uh, but not not simply a reproduction. But he has the he has my nature in him because it's, uh, I had a hand in making him. So, so it says that we're that our new man is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So so then that 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 icon, that image that we have of that new man inside of us comes from him. It's because it was his seed that that, that is uh put in us and then it, and it grows up and so uh and so w- when we when we look in the mirror then then we should see him. And and that's that's the goal. That, that, and he knows how to get us there. It says, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. So it doesn't make a difference on the outside what kind of, you know, what you look like, what kind of person you are on the outside. All those things are, um, they're all dead. And, and so, because those, those are all things that are your outside man, those are all the things that are going to perish. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering. I didn't really get a chance to get into those. I'll bet that would be a lot of fun. Um, but these would all make... Uh, but bowels of mercies and kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness and long-suffering would all make a great replacement for anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, and idolatry. So these would be way better. And and those all those 
all those things, that big long list, those are all qualities of the old man. These are qualities of the new man. And so we're renewed in the knowledge of, uh, in a, of and I like that knowledge because it's talking about recognition or acknowledgement. So it's like we are, so we acknowledge that that is the image that we have on the inside. That's where we come from on the inside. And these are his traits, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. And who doesn't like to suffer long? <laughs> Watching some show with my kids once, and these people are getting married, and they're like, for better or for worse? And he's like, for better, please. <laughs> yes. Like, isn't that what we're all thinking at the altar? For better, please. Yeah, for richer, for better, uh, for hell, all of them. Not so much the others. <laughs> Just kidding. You ought to take the good with the bad, right? <clears throat> Not really love if you can't uh, can't deal with the bad stuff. Can't deal with the being sick. Can't deal with being broke. Man, when Cynthia and I got married, we were so broke. Man. Man the, well, I mean, the first few months, I had a, I had a pretty good job. And then, uh, and then I, I went into painting. And my first full year doing that, I made a whopping fourteen thousand dollars. And man, we was po. And we, we we lived on ramen, and and we didn't turn the heat up. We just put on a jacket. And I mean, I I remember those. You know, you you didn't get out of the covers in the morning. You know, until you were ready to jump into your clothes. So, but it was okay because we had each other, right? So that's that's the thing about love. But so, so he's talking about humility of mind. You know, and I love it because these are all things that you got to have in dealing with people too. This this bowels of mercies because people will step on your little toes. Kindness. And humility, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Uh, you know, because uh, you know you're going to have the same the same uh, stimulus come at you no matter what. Same stimuli is going to come at you, but whether you're working from the outside man or the inside man is going to determine whether you've got the anger, wrath, and malice, or mercies, kindness, humility, and meekness. And uh, and it all depends on who you make more important, right? So forbearing one another, that's a great one. Don't we all love forbearing people when you really wish they would just stop talking and they just keep talking and you forbear with them like you guys do with me every Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, man. We, we unpacked uh, our books yesterday on my, my new awesome bookshelf that uh, Mike and Chris hulked up the steps for me and uh, their muscles rippling. It was It was a thing to behold. And of course, Rhonda made it look great. And uh, here are these books that had all these, like, little, you know, churches, stranger than fiction type books, you know, you know, funny type things. And there was this one, it was uh, speaking of forbearing with people talking a long time. At the end of the sermon, the preacher says, What else can I say? And this teenager in the back says, How about amen? Yeah. 
I think we all have had those conversations with somebody where we're just kind of ready for them to stop talking. You know, but, but, you know, but forbearing one another is more than just that. I mean, because people will step on your little toes, right? And you have to kind of just, that's okay. If we can deal with that, they're more important than that. You know, this thing that I heard when I was, my kids were really little, really struck me. Was, he was a comedian of all things, but uh, he was talking about how he would, you know, get on to his kids. And he's like, can't you see that the pain on the walls is more important than the joy in your heart? I thought, that was totally me. It's like, don't mess with that. Stop it. Stop it. You know. You know, but it's like, you know, what's more important, them or this thing that I can fix? You know, obviously you want to teach them not to tear up your stuff. But. So forbearing one another, forgiving one another. Oh, so so they, they, they really stepped in it with me then. And I'm going to have to forgive them, huh? Okay. But again, you know, that goes back to that sense of selfishness versus selflessness. Because selfishness. Like, like you know, you hurt precious. You're, you know, I'm I'm mad. You know, versus, well, you know, what are you gonna do? Like, you know, you're, you know, you're more important than my feelings. And uh, and, and you know, the great thing is, is you know, Christianity doesn't, you know, Jesus isn't saying you should be a doormat. You know, and that and that's where talking the things out comes comes in because that's an important thing. Um, now, in fact. Uh, if you if you don't deal with the issues, that's where the anger, wrath, and malice comes in because you just kind of keep it all inside, and eventually you blow up, and and uh, nobody, you know, nobody comes out good on that. So forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, even so also do ye. Love it how he pulls that out on you. It's like, you know, it's like. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you know, I did kind of forgive you for a whole bunch of really bad stuff, and I, I kind of died about it and everything. You know, and, and and Christ is really precious to not just bring those things up to us and throw it in your face. But uh, and so I, I don't mean to seem irreverent, but you know, he, you know, Paul brings that up. He's like, hey, you know, it's like Christ forgave you, and so he, you know, uh, he expects, you know, he he teaches us, you reap what you sow. And that you should treat people the way you want to be treated, and so, uh, and, and if you don't forgive, I can't forgive, and that's why, because because I forgave you, and I and I expect you to extend that same mercy to everybody else. Almost done. And above all these things, put on charity. Of course, this is the word agape, which is the bond of perfectness. That's the word bond. I really like this word. Um, very, you know, because this scripture is very reminiscent of the whole. Uh, you know, endeavoring to keep the bond of unity, and, and I like how he puts that word endeavor because it isn't an endeavor sometimes. Not always. Like I said, I've lived with all kinds of people, had them live with me, and I just had a grand time. I think they did too. And um, but this word uh, bond in, in classical Greek, this is the word that they used when they when they began to make a serious study of medicine. This is the word that they used uh, to describe ligaments. And so, uh, you know, joint pain is near and dear to my heart. So I did a little research about this because I was like, what's the, I realized I don't know the difference between a tendon and a ligament. You know, a tendon is what attaches your muscles to your bones. 
And so you need your tendons to make your muscles move your bones around. A ligament is the really tough fibrous stuff in between your joints that holds the bone to the bone. And and so it's it's really tough. It's got a lot of fiber to it. And uh, and it makes the joint stable. So you know you need you need a good healthy ligament at each joint to keep it stable. And I thought, what a better way could you describe our relationships with one another? Like a, it's like a ligament. You know, we we because we go through stuff and nothing like going through hard things together to put this dense, tough fibrous kind of thing between you and uh, and it creates the stability in, in that joint and the more stable joints you've got in your body the better off you are and then you don't go around hobbling or sitting at a desk all day um, but uh, yeah, I'm just so but he says that this he says above all this stuff you, you could sum all this stuff up and, and Paul's so great at that. He'll, he'll go on and on in all this detail. And he's like, basically what I'm saying is just, you know, love each other. Because that would be the bond of perfectness. Love everybody because that would be the this ligament of completion. This thing that, that would just put you together and, uh, and, and just settles the issue. And uh, are the bones going to move around and... And everything, yeah. Are they going to stay connected? Yeah. But but the, this bond of perfectness, I really like that. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body, and be thankful. So, you know, we all, we Ron's always talked about the badger skin sewed together, and and uh, how, you know, you just you know you're hoping against hope that you don't get sewed next to sister so and so. No, you don't care, right? Because you're dead. And I, either way, wherever your wherever uh, your your humerus is uh, humorously attached to their uh, their I don't know their radius or whatever, then you're gonna have you're gonna have a ligament there, and it's gonna it's gonna be tough, and you know. It, you're not going to be able to tear that apart. But that all comes from those choices of letting the peace of God rule in your heart because you can get upset about something and and let it make you selfish. Or you can let the peace of God rule in your heart and, and take it back to Him and acknowledge that, well, this stuff was all just the outside man stuff anyway. I mean, yes, it's inconvenient uh, for me, but for now, but this is just for now. And... Uh, in a million years, we're both going to be in New Jerusalem together, and and so by golly, we better get along now, right? So, and that's the thing that that the world needs to see. So, because the the world can't see that if we don't have that love for one another, they can't see him, because that's what God is—is is love. And and so it all it, it all comes down to decision making. It doesn't come down to gritting your teeth and pushing forward with something. Sometimes you do, but what this really comes down to is decision making. Who who's in charge of your life? Who comes first? And uh, so, 
you know, and I think there's a great contrast there between anger, wrath, and malice, and all the discontentedness that that causes, and letting the peace of God rule in your heart, and just just be, you know letting Him settle the issues in your life. So Jesus, we thank you for your Word to us. And what we pray is that you would just move in us and do these things in us. God, plant your Word in us. God, I pray that every day, uh, in uh, every life in this place that we would reckon ourselves dead, that we would be renewed in, a, in our inside man, God, that, that we would acknowledge that that, that is the thing uh, that comes from you that, that will last forever, and, and that we would let that peace rule in our hearts, God, and that we would uh, be filled to the fullness with your love, God, because you said to put on this uh, charity, uh, which is the bond of perfectness, and that, that love is an unselfish love. It's the love that you use to describe coming and dying in our place. And so, God, we pray that you would uh, just do these things in us as only you can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.